delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on my podcast house.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. A big show coming your way this week. We're going to speak to Andre Heimgartner from Brad Jones Racing. He's had a pretty good year this year, and hopefully that continues for him. We'll find out how they've been able to get that car up into a podium position six times in 2023. We'll also hear from Garth Tander, who's driving back in the Porsche Quera Cup Series. Be good to hear from Garth and why he is doing that. Mark Walker, Richard Crowell to wrap up the week in sport and so much more right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. Yeah, really excited to be racing the SP Tools Cup car at Tail and Bend. It's a great opportunity for me to get some racing miles ahead of Sandown and Bathurst when I joined Penrite Racing, but also I haven't raced a Porsche since 2016 and that was in a Pro-Am race where I shared the car with someone else. I've never done a sprint round before, so as I've retired from full-time driving, I've had the opportunity to do lots of different types of racing and uh, nothing having my own Carrera Cup car, so really looking forward to that. So last time I drove a Cup car was the previous generation car. It was way back in 2016 at Sydney Motorsport Park. It was a Pro-Am race. I shared the car with James Bergmiller and, um, and we had a great weekend. We finished second overall. Um, but what struck me as a real challenge was obviously the car's a lot different to what I'm used to. So engine's in the wrong end of the car, it's all the way at the back, you're sitting on the left side of the car, not on the right side of the car, and uh, very particular driving style, so I'm under no illusion that's going to be a big challenge. Uh, a lot of people will probably ask, why am I number 87? I've never really had my own number all the way through racing. I used to be 51 in go-karts and I thought, oh, when I get the supercars, I'll be able to use 51, but Greg Murphy was using that, so I couldn't use that. Um, so 87 is actually my son Sebastian's go-kart number and um, he doesn't know I'm using it, so it's still gonna be a bit of a surprise when he sees it on TV. So since we've been working on this deal in the background, I've been a very keen observer of Carrera Cup this year, trying to learn as much as I can watching the telecast and just wandering around the paddock and it's, it's incredibly challenging, it's incredibly competitive. It's always been like that in Carrera Cup. Um, so I'm under no illusion that it's gonna be a challenge for me and I'm, there's no expectation. I'm not expecting to jump in and I'm gonna try and you know, beat everyone that's been doing this all year. So um, it's gonna to be tough. It's really competitive. If you look at the championship this year, no one has stood out. It's always been a different, different driver at the front of the field every weekend and that's the mark of a really tough championship. So preparation for this is watching a lot of vision, watching a lot of the broadcast, uh, speaking to a lot of people. I've had a good chat to Fabian Coulthard, who's rejoined Carrera Cup this year, and asked him about how he's adapted to the 992 car. And um, so just trying to learn as much as I can. We'll get some testing in prior to racing at Tail and Bend, which is obviously critical, because you don't want the first time you drive the race car is in practice one at the race weekend. So yeah, look, I probably haven't got as many miles as you would like to have going in for something like this, but uh, we'll pick it up as we go. Yeah, look, the best preparation that I could have for the endurance season is racing. I mean, certainly doing laps in the Gen 3 Mustang is great and I'll get plenty of opportunities to do that in the lead into Sandown, but there's nothing better than actually going racing, going through the process of engineering the car, making the car faster, going through a qualifying session, doing race starts, there'll be safety cars through that. So doing all that stuff in the white heat battle of competition, there's no better preparation than that than actually doing it. 
So uh, that's why we're doing this. So my relationship with SP Tools goes well back 2011, 12, around that period at Holden Racing Team and then they became naming rights partner at the Holding Racing Team for five, six years. So I've known those guys for a long time and even when I left HRT and went back to Gary Rogers Motorsport, they stayed with me as a, as a personal sponsor. So I've known Kev and Tom and a lot of the crew at SP Tools for a very long time and it's great that they've joined to be part of this program. Um, hopefully we can represent that brand uh, extremely well. My best memory in an SP Tool sponsored car would probably be winning at Townsville. We had a 1-2 at Townsville and we actually had the cars liveried up as, um, as State of Origin because it was around State of Origin time and I was Queensland and James Courtney was uh, New South Wales given he's from Penrith. And, uh, and I won in Queensland with the maroon bonnet and JC was second and uh, we had a lot of fun with that. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. And joining me off the top as he always does, Richard Kral. Hello, Kralzy. Uh, welcome back. Fresh from the Sydney Super Night. What a weekend it was. Uh, very enjoyable weekend of racing. Massive crowd on Saturday, which was great to see. Lots of interest for supercars under lights some good stories out of support category land and um lots of stories out of supercar land as well shebex heaps of stories we'll cover off a lot of those as we go through the inning a little bit later on with mark walker as well but time to have a chat to a guy who's had a pretty good 2023 i think he's had six podiums so far for the year which is a fantastic effort his name is andre heimgartner drives for brad jones racing and he joins us now for a chat hello andre hi thanks for having me on the show Thank you for coming on board, mate. A great year. Six podiums. That's not too bad at all. I think out of what? 18 yeah, races, yeah. So that's 33% mark. That's good. Yeah, that, that's almost a pass, isn't it? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> no, it's been really good. It's been a great year for us. I mean, started out a bit slow, but um, we, you know, once we've found our feet and the engineering group and us drivers have figured out how to drive them, how to engineer them, um, we've really, you know, gone from strength to strength. And now uh, the last... Um, Six races I've started on the front row four times so um, and ended up on the podium the same amount of time. So we're getting some really good consistency going now. What was more satisfying on the weekend, that very, very good pole position on Saturday or that fighting drive to second on Sunday? Um, I think the most, um, you know, all of it was pretty, pretty good and um, pretty satisfying, I think. But that the best part of the weekend that didn't really get any uh, airtime or that no one really knew about was on the Saturday race, we were going for that one-stop strategy and mm. um, we would have come off to be fighting for the win with Brody. And um, to, to add more spice to it, I um, after my uh, the only pit stop, my power steering completely failed. Oh, um, really? And I um, ended up finishing the race in 14th still with zero power power of steering so um that for me personally was a good really good achievement just one of those times i had to grit down my teeth and (laughs) and go here we go this is going to destroy me but there's 20 laps to go and um and yeah so for me that was you know a good part of the weekend that was probably you know personally one of the best and um Mm. of course the, the pole position and podium was was you know up there as well how was the yeah. recovery from that? Because I can't imagine the steering's light on those things. Well, the camber and caster, you've got to run on them to make them go quickly. I can't imagine it's easy without power steering. 
No, no, it was, yeah, the next day my arms definitely knew about it. <laughs> that much. And there's my whole body. So you had to, I strapped myself in even more tight and you had your foot jammed up against the dead pedal and you're, you know, shuffling the wheel in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways. And yeah, I was just lucky that there was no big curbs I had to go over or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's just something you have to do do with, uh, you know, these cars, it's a new generation. There's going to be little problems that we have and, as a driver, you know, that's why I train and that's why you got to, you know, you try and be so fit for things like that. You know, I managed to make something that normally, you know, um, ruins someone's race, um, not actually affect our race to, to a great, greater, mm. you know, effect. Still coming home 14th, especially after a safety car when normally people would just be all over you and, and, and you'd end up at the back, um, you know, was pretty um, good, I, I think, for us. I'm sort of glad you explained what happened there because I think myself included and a lot of people at home are sitting there watching the race on Saturday and they're going, shit, Andre's whole race has just been blown because they brought him in for tyres. If they leave him <laughs> out there, you, you race, you, you go for it, you give it your best shot. And if you finish 14th because you've got no tyres, it doesn't matter because you're going to finish 14th because they brought him in anyway. But the fact that you had no power steering probably means you finished 14th anyway regardless. So it probably didn't make any difference. Yeah, exactly. So it's um yeah, just one of those things. But the best thing, you know, and well, not the best thing. Another great thing is, you know, when you have moments like that in sport, when things don't go your way, you know, you start on on pole and 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 all that happens. I ended up sitting back at the hotel, you know, being very devastated as you could imagine um, after such a high, and then obviously what happened. So. To, to come back the next day and, um, you know, everyone in the whole team put that behind them. And then we almost got pole again, but Shane just pipped us and then had yeah, to have a good fighting drive to, to second. Um, was, you know, really good to rebound like that. It shows a lot about the team. So just back on that Saturday, was that attributed to the steering rack problem that you had prior to the race? Yeah, that was the okay. same problem. So we, yeah, yeah. So they uh, thought they'd fixed it, but it, uh, yeah, it yeah, wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I was. I had the fortune to work with the boss uh, on the broadcast, and he was calling some supports with me. And uh, he was a pretty frustrated figure on Sunday morning as well, because he he was pretty confident that that strategy was going to pay off for you guys as well. And um, but yeah, great great rebound and that lap to to get pole was brilliant and qualifying. It Saturday that place is weird because I think in every support category as well, Andre, the guy that started second leading to turn one you almost don't want pole at sydney motorsport park it's it's a weird weird place like that a hundred percent the inside just never gets used i don't think so you mm. end up getting the worst start and you're second anyway so maybe they should think about swapping that over i'm not sure or just disqualify second um yeah talk talk about your year because it, it's been a, a you mentioned it, it 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 was a challenging start but it it's been quite typical of bjr in that they keep chipping away and just this constant improvement at every round. And that's been really noticeable in your results. And I was going back through the results earlier in the year and at the Grand Prix, for example, four races, you went 17th, 16th, 5th and 2nd. So that progression yeah. was clear and it was the same on the weekend where you were quicker every day. And what, what, what's been the key to that, mate? Is it, is it just getting on top of these cars or is it the way the team's working? What, what's been key to that progression so far this season? Um, I think it's been, um, you know, obviously these cars are new, so you're, you're trying to develop a philosophy of how you're going to tune the car. And as we know, these cars are very complex and 
Um, there's, there's quite a few different ways or philosophies you could have to achieve a lap time. And we see, you know, for example, Triple Eight and Tickford um, are very different in their philosophies. So you've got to pick your one and, and ride with it and figure figure that shit out. So it, um, it takes a while. And, and of course, sometimes you hit that on the head, sometimes you don't. And luckily this year, Bryce has stepped it up and um, so has Phil Keed. And they've been actually very, very helpful last year was a bit of a struggle for us as mainly just our, our side that was up there and, and we're being able to effectively double our, you know, development speed, I guess. And, you know, when I don't have a perfect car on a Saturday or a session and Bryce is going well, we can just chuck that in and it's actually translating very well at the moment. So I guess that's where we're getting it going. And now we're just simplifying things. We have a few good rounds now with good solid results and the car's been very similar. So when that happens, you can drive the car how you know how to drive it, so it's not always changing. So you know how to drive it, you know how to attack it, you know what you're looking for, and the guys have that toolbox where um, they know how to tune the cars and the engineers. So yeah, it's just something that comes together slowly, and as we're seeing, um, yeah, we're we're getting on top of it um, as much as we can, and and hopefully that continues. Yeah, hopefully it does, mate. For yourself, you're uh, obviously. There's no doubt the lead driver in this group of uh, young drivers at Brad Jones Racing. Are you relishing that role? Are you are you like a, a captain in the footy team? Do you get down with the boys and give them a bit of a pep talk and, and work them through issues that they may have had from the weekend and that sort of stuff? Is that how the relationship works? Um, a little bit, yeah. Our, our group's quite good. Um, I get on with Macaulay especially very well. And, and uh, Bryce also is, you know, we work well together. Um, and Jack is, yeah, obviously anytime he needs anything, we, we all help each other. So I think as a group, we're pretty harmonious and things work well. And um, it's been, as I said, that's where we've got some good gains this year. And like any any team, when me and Bryce are racing against each other, you know, <laughs> you got to work out that, that team relationship on the track and, you know, Red Bull sometimes even stuff that up. So Look, there's many aspects to it, but I think we're all working together sort of, um, you know, as well as you can at this point. Do you feel like you've got a reasonable read on this car now, Andre, given we've been to street circuits, we've been to the tight little bull rings like a Simmons, um, Townsville probably fits in that. Um, that Yeah, exactly. And then the weekend was a good test for a high-speed, fast-flowing, long-loaded corners kind of circuit, and we see that again at the bend next stop. So... Do you feel like you've now got a good enough broad understanding of the car to react quite quickly to what it needs? Uh, at this at this point, I'd say yes. But um, even with the old car, we had the similar car for so many years and you just think you get on top of it and then you go to another track and it's a slightly different surface or something and, and it um, you know throws a spanner in the works. And often you can have the same setup, go to the same track that you're on pole last year with the same everything and you're nowhere. So... Um, yeah, it's something you have to keep on top of. But for sure, as I said, the toolbox is, you know, and what tools you work with these cars, it's a different aero map, um, which affects a lot of things. Um, obviously, everything's different. So the way it reacts to changes is completely different. So you've got to build that up. And um, I guess right now we're, we're pretty confident in where things are. Um, but in saying that, I could qualify last next round, so don't hold me to that <laughs> word. But that, that's been part of the season, though, isn't it? Because yeah. it, it's been so wild, the swings from one round mm. to another. And, you know, one round, Jack LeBrock puts his thing on the front row of the grid and the next round he might be 15th. So the margins are still unbelievably tiny, but it seems like there's more, 
of a swing between a good day and a bad day, you know, in the Supercars Championship this year. Yeah, 100%. These cars are very, very um, finicky, I think, to, to tune. The window is very small. And um, I think also what you're seeing is there's, a you know, for someone like myself, I've never been in the same equipment as, you know, some of the top teams. Um, and and same with a lot of guys, Jack LeBrock, other people like that. So, um you know, what you're seeing is a bit of an equaling effect, which is what, which is great. It's what sort of these cars are meant to, you know, meant to bring to the category. So you're seeing different winners, different people on pole, you know, people that were doing very well before having to, having to work for it. And you can tell they're not liking it. So it's, um, it's good to see, it's good to see the mix up and to give, you know, smaller teams and people that haven't had the resources in the past, the opportunity to perform. I don't think you're the sort of man that likes getting involved in the politics of supercars and all that sort of stuff. But I think you're a guy who's very perceptive and knows what's happening around you. Gee, there's a lot of stuff happening in supercars at the moment, isn't there? Drivers leaving, owners talking stuff, swearing, all this sort of stuff. It's a crazy, crazy situation at the moment. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's entertainment, isn't it, at the end of the day? (laughs) It is. Is Is it good entertainment? Is that the sort of stuff we need? Oh, I mean, yes, some of it to some extent when it's not directed at the sport, that's great because, you know, a lot of us really do love supercars and we love what this Gen 3 is brought and we love many aspects of what we do. And obviously, you know, this puts food on the table for my daughter and my, my family. So it's um something I don't want to, you know, bur- I don't want to burn down the house. So I think, you know, drama t- towards the racing is great. I mean, you know, any any controversy and battles between people and also stuff is amazing, but um, obviously, you know, when people start ripping to the sport, it's, uh, you know, from my side, it's, uh, you know, it makes it a bit difficult. Uh, you're not going to up and leave us and go to NASCAR anytime soon, are you, Andre? <laughs> I don't, I don't plan on it. Having said that, though, you have enjoyed driving a few different cars over the last year or two, which has been good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I've driven a lot of cars, so it's been it's been really good. Of course, you know, don't get me wrong, NASCAR, I guess, for any driver in Australia is, is you know, a dream, I guess. Um, it's something that's, you know, obviously the pinnacle of, of saloon car, I guess, racing um, and is, you know, amazing. So it'd be awesome to do that. But at the same time, I haven't yet conquered, you know, the swimming pool over here. So I still got a little way to go and um, some more races to win. And I think I've got 10 podiums. <laughs> since my last uh since my last win or even more than that 10 11 podiums so mm. we uh, got to get back on that top spit step well and and that win came at the bend didn't it in 2021 yeah. in, in a mustang with with kelly grove which was a great result it was a great day crazy car race um just give us your thoughts about going into the next round in a couple of weeks at that fast and flowing circuit in south australia yeah, it's going to be very interesting. These cars are not suited to that track, I wouldn't say. Our old cars had a lot more downforce and actually were quite, quite a treat to race there. Um, so this will be very interesting. We don't know how these tyres are going to go. We've had tyre failures in the past there. So um, And these cars use the tyres hard. So we'll probably see degradation there, um, which we haven't seen in the past. Um, there'll be lots of different factors that will come into it and um, honestly, I don't know what to necessarily expect, um, but it will be, yeah, it will be mixed up. And I think, um, you know, who knows, the Mustangs could be very strong there with their new aero stuff that they've got going on as well. So you just don't know what's going to happen. 
It's funny you mentioned the deg. That was all the talk about Sydney, wasn't it? But it never really sort of happened, did it? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it was. It, I remember the first lap I did. I'm like, oh, this seems a lot more grippy than I thought. <laughs> it was like we all we all talked ourselves into the whole deg yeah. and the eyewear thing. And look, it is it is yeah. When you're doing a qualifying lap, the deg is extremely high. If you go try and do another lap, you you know you're dropping almost you know five six tenths or whatever it is, you know on that second lap. So the dig is incredibly high, but you know we're all professional drivers, so we drive accordingly. So when you're driving, you know a few seconds off, looking after your tires, you know trying to perform the best over a stint, you know things are obviously a little bit different. Uh, it would be remiss of us, Andre, to not talk about the enduros, which believe it or not are coming up very soon. We're in August now. It's six weeks Crazy. till Sandown, and then Bathurst is only another three weeks after that. So, you know, two months will be on the mountain. This has got to be the most unpredictable endurance season we've had in this level of the sport for, I don't know, maybe ever. Like, it, it's just so impossible to read how this is going to play out. What What are you doing in Teamland to start getting your head around it? Because I think the only certainty around Bathurst this year is that Brad Jones Racing is going to win the pit stop competition. And outside of that, <laughs> it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, um, yeah, I think you've nailed it on the head. Like, But even we are not very sure. I've, I know from our side, um, Dale Wood's been performing very well in the Porsches, as you well know. Um, and when he hops in my car, he's as fast as me, surprisingly, the old dog. So he's, uh, he's still, he still goes all right. And I think these cars are actually suiting him, you know, fairly well, which is awesome. So from our side, you know, he's done lots of laps. He's, he did 30 something rides the other day. He's really engaging and trying to, you know, get the most out of that. So look, we're, we're, we're in the best place we can be. And, um, as you said, we don't, you know, looking at other teams, obviously you'll have the, the standard people like Shane, you know, Waters is always very strong at Bathurst, people like that, but, um, and Brody to a certain extent. So we, um, yeah, we just don't know, but we can only do what we can do. And I think we're in a good position or, you know, all considering. All right, mate. I think I just heard the doorbell in the background. That'll be the local Aubrey pizza hut <laughs> for you guys. Go and enjoy, uh, Thanks for your time. I really do appreciate it. Congratulations on what's been a good 2023 so far and mate, continue for the remainder of the year. Beautiful. No worries. Thanks, guys. Andre Heimgartner joining us here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right. Joining us as he does on the second half of the program, Mark Walker. G'day to you. Honey Shebeki. Reasonable quantity of things to unpack after that weekend, <laughs> isn't there, lads? Really, when you think about it. Weekend. Hmm. Yeah, there's a fair bit happening. Uh, Richard Andre Heimgartner, we just, Fedicum, I am so happy to see that guy doing what he's mm. doing at the moment, more so than most drivers. And it's just, he's done it tough and now he's enjoying the fruits of his hard work and it's just great. Yeah, Shebex, it's a good story. Um, we've always liked Andre. I've been fortunate enough to work with him for a little while. He came into the season in Porsche Carrera Cup after his first stint in supercars i suppose you could call it and um it was something of a a reboot in a way i think for his racing career um it, it gave him a it gave him a year of um of being in a competitive car and 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 winning races and and got some confidence right back in him which i thought was great and then he since going back into supercars he's been outstanding and and has pieced together some really good seasons so yeah. um 
Yeah, and I, I think we all knew he had what it took when he was punching above his weight in the Nissan at the end of the, the Nissan era with the Kellys and then, um, you know, tough first year at at um, in the Ford Mustang program that was well documented for that team. Uh, obviously navigating COVID as well, but there were a few glimmers there and, and I think he'll be looking forward to Taylor Bend and we touched on it in the track and in the chat because he was second at Taylor Bend in that first year with Kellys mm. in the Mustang and then won race nine of the championship in 2021 didn't particularly good round there last year in the bjr car but um he always goes well at that circuit so yeah 10 podiums since his last race win um maybe tail and ben's the venue but yeah it was good and we did our little predictions last week didn't we on the show and uh i i did say i thought andre would win the weekend well he came bloody close so yeah, ter- terrific result. Really good. And yeah, th- there's no one in that paddock that I know anyway, that would begrudge Andre and indeed Bray Jones racing for grabbing a race win at some point this season, because yeah. um, they certainly deserve it. Uh, so we go, we going early with the, I, I told you so, Zoe. No, not yet. Yeah. I just, oh, just needed one. to roll that in there just a little <laughs> bit. Hmm. But sporty little team there. And Bryce is really been punching up as well this yeah. year. He's got some really good results and a couple of good top tens again in the weekend after some good qualifying results. And it's consistent there too. He's in the top 10 in the points. So um, they've got a couple of good cars there at Brad Jones, which is something that they really haven't had since probably the days of Fabian and Bridie. Mm, what, eight top tens in a row now for Bryce Forward, dating back to the third race at Simmons Plains. So he has been rattling them off. Very impressive. Actually, I tell a lie. There's, there was one in there at, um, uh, where was it? Race three in Darwin. He didn't have quite a good race. But anyway, almost eight top tens. Let's call it mm. seven out of eight. But regardless, yeah, and, and top ten for him. And that's what Brad Jones Racing's been missing for the last couple of years is a, a really good number two to, to run with Andre. And as he said in our chat, like it's working for them because they can lean on each other to make the cars better. So well done to, uh, to Bryce Forward. We'll get Bryce on the show, I think, before yeah, the race. We, we need to get him on because he's he's doing good good things and he's a good chat. Short sin for you up in Sydney, Mark. You were there for a couple of nights, I think, Friday, and you left Saturday. But uh, did you enjoy your time and what did you think of it? Well, I had an awesome weekend. It was such a good. I'm so happy I went. Um, mm. And I'll get to it in the hots and knots. But uh, that Sydney Motorsport Park, I tell you what, put up some light poles and it is the MVP of Australian motorsport by a margin that uh saturday night thing they had going on there that is really really good it's a good racetrack you know the it's been done to death i guess a bit over that whole covid period when we race there every single week but it's a good sporty layout that turn one Mm. that is such a good corner to go and spectate and i went and did a fair bit of that on saturday just sit there and, and watch the cars go through there and watch some of the races and it's a it's a good place and um yeah, I hope that uh, Sydney starts to embrace it now that it's got this really good thing going there. Every now and then you see a car go through turn one and the brake lights don't go on, and you just think, "Ooh, <laughs> yeah." Well, it's a balls. it's a corner with consequence. It's an excellent bit of road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I second that. It, it's um, and I feel like there's still going to be a process of re-education for Sydney motorsport fans to to get out there, but. Um, certainly the Saturday crowd was outstanding. That was very, very good. And I've, I've been to all the night races there and that was, except that lunatic wet one in the COVID times, but, um, but, and that, that was the best presentation as a whole. 
um, of a, a supercars night race that I've been to. The, the pump up music was great. The pre-race was good. Um, you know, the, the only thing that would have put a full stop on that little package was an F35 doing, you know, an afterburner thing. And all you'd see was the, the afterburner glowing, oh, but, yeah. but you probably can't do that that close to Bankstown airport, but it was, it was a really good show. And yeah, that, that place, I've never been to a place and not just a racetrack, a place that changes so much for the better when the lights go on, that it is a completely different venue. In fact, you could say that Sydney's got two circuits because that place at night and that play at day, at day are yeah. totally different. The only consistent thing between them is the smell of the rubbish chip. But outside of that, it's it's bang on. So, no, very, very cool. But even then, for a permanent circuit and standard sort of round, having the roulettes there, having Matt Hall yep. do some stunts, that was it awesome. It felt like an event, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, and some of those rounds at that place have not felt like an event. Yep. It felt like a box-ticking exercise. That felt like a proper a proper car racing event and not just a car race, which is important. That's what you need to do these days. Well, let's talk about the car race. Uh, wasn't too bad either, was it? Uh, Saturday more than Sunday. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the format, the the race distance, I think is bang on at that venue. And, and as we heard from Andre had that safety car not come out, um, you know, we, we gained some things out of that safety car and the, the racy little finish, but had it not come out, we would have got the, the one car going long, one car going mm. quickly overlapping strategy, which they probably would have all come together on the last lap and, and it would have been quite dramatic. So, so that's, that was a slight disappointment, but I love, I love the fact that that was on the table and um, you know, it was, it was a potential result for that weekend had the safety car not come out in the end, the safety car came out. We still got a really good race to the end. Brody was, was solid, but there was the controversy with Shane and Will Brown so that was, you know, it, it, it created a bit of a, a cluster, but it was entertaining motorsport, wasn't it? So, yeah, I think from a show point of view, it was a really good race. And there was just stuff going on all the time in that race, the whole distance, which you get with a high deg, multiple strategies kind of car race. So, yeah, I think it, that ticked the box. The, the letdown, and we'll come to it in a minute, the letdown on that was Sunday, which had yeah. none of that. So, yeah. but I think Saturday ticked a lot of boxes for sure. So oh, sure. a few things there. I think that, you know, we had the three wide there for the minor placings late in the race. Mm. It was like that all the way down the pack. The TV missed all the other battles that were going on. I've gone back through my photos. It's like, holy smokes, there were three wide everywhere behind mm. it. But uh, you could only sort of concentrate on one thing at a time. Uh, that Brody and Shane thing, what's the take there? Because it's probably worth a penalty, but it would have happened a hundred times in that race everyone else bumping into each other. That's how you get past in these things. And mm. it wasn't penalized. And Shane's done it a million times in his career and not been penalized. You know, does Will getting on the brakes mid corner to, you know, slow himself up so that he can try and get a run out of there. That sort of causes the contact. Does that put some of the onus back on Will? I can see how it'd be irritating for Will being punted out of the way to lose his position, but equally I can see it being frustrating for Shane to be penalised for something that he's never been penalised before in his career. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree with yeah. all that. Yeah, no, it's a fair call. Yeah, if you've let it go for so long, why start doing it now? You, you, you're dead right. That is quite interesting. So, Richard, I'm not sure whether you said it on air last week or whether you said it to us uh, in our group chat, but the fuel drop, you were bemoaning it last week. It, do you, I felt it added something to it. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I, I just still don't think it's... 
it's necessary anymore. And and of all the the parity issues that have been talked about this year, I, I don't think anyone's talked about economy yet. We're, we'll roll into Bathurst now, and the Camaros will be able to do it on one less stop than the Mustangs, I'm sure. But um, now I've said that, but um, yeah, I, I just I just think it's something that just adds complexity in explaining the race. I, I think about it from if if I was calling that you you want to be able to explain the race without getting mired down in the technicalities, which mm. because does do, to be fair, it, it can be quite complicated. And, and Formula One's just as bad with all of the tyre compounds and things like that. But the fuel drop was there for a reason back in the day. Does it need to be there now? I don't particularly think it does. Does it add to the race? Maybe. I'm not sure. But I, I'd, I'd still like them just to schedule a race distance where it's 10% longer than the tank of fuel. So you run the risk of running out of fuel or you put fuel in and go flat out the whole way. And, and I think, which, which is the IndyCar model for fuel. And that produces great racing without the need for a compulsory, you have to put this much in. So I think, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of it. I've made that quite clear, but um, it didn't take away from the race on Saturday yeah. night, I didn't think. But what added to it was the tie strategy and the, the one versus two stop thing, which... Yeah which was predicted to play a role and did. And, and Andre, unfortunately, was on the receiving end of a one-stopper that an unlucky, poorly timed safety car didn't work for him. But, um, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. There's a fair bit of swearing, uh, not just from Barry, but from drivers. And it was sort of all over the shop. Is that what we want to see? Are we glad that it's been cracked down a little bit? Well, or should the broadcasters just be a bit more mindful? I'm going to burn one of my knots now. Uh, not... RIP live team radio in broadcast. Uh, I don't, I don't, I know I have no inside information either way, but I don't think we'll see it at least in the foreseeable future. Maybe it'll come back for Bathurst, but, and, and that, and I think a lot of it was down to not necessarily the swearing. You get that new as I'm sorry about the language folks. Haha, move on. Um, It probably got a lot to do with Cam Waters blow up. I reckon that, that if it kills team live team radio, that'll be it. Yeah, it'll be the No wonder everyone's leaving. Yep. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. That was pretty just much. embarrassing indictment on the sport, wasn't yeah, it? it wasn't yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And 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 it's a complicated matter because there's a line, there's a line somewhere between saying what you feel and saying something that is the the famous term bringing the sport into disrepute. So, I I could understand entirely why that kind of stuff would not get aired anymore with live team radio. And we are one of the few, the Yanks do do it, but they generally cuss a little bit less anyway. Um, but where, you know, we don't have the curated team radio like Formula One do because it's, that's a, have it, it's so. a, it's a resource. Yeah. But it's a resource that just adds to the cost of covering a race. Unfortunately, you can have it live and have someone scanning through it, but then to package it up, you need to have a dedicated resource in there. So it's another, X, Y, Z amount of money a weekend. I can understand why it doesn't happen. There's a finite, finite amount of money. but Well, I can yeah, tell you what I, was a real letdown was Saturday night when I was watching the F1 and Oscar swore, but they already had it beeped out. So yeah. they, they crossed to Oscar's radio and the first five seconds were beep. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, God, if it was supercars, I would have heard everything he said. You would have, totally. <laughs> exactly. Totally. I don't, I don't mind the swearing on team radio because it's, it's just the most, that's just human. Um, you probably want to be a bit more careful than Cam with what he said, but it, the, the Barry Ryan interview, which has been picked apart 
since then is probably the the more broader issue to come out of all of that. Um, the swearing on team run, it was just a sweary race. Everyone was having a pretty bad day, really. So um, you're going to get a bit of that. Like the thing with Barry swearing, you know, I've got a four year old kid and he repeats everything that ever gets said. Like mm. it's my, my life. I've got to check myself because I love to swear, but mm. I can't do it when it's an earshot of a four year old. And we sit there and we watch the races on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And if he was there watching Barry have a big cuss, come on, Barry, you're better than that. And if you don't want to be better than that, put Shannon in there. She's the managing director of the team. Mm. Like that, she can talk. She's very well versed mm. with dealing with the media. I'm sure pit reporters would love to talk to us. So uh, yeah, that was, that was disappointing. I feel sorry for Chad as well, having to pick up the pieces there again after copying the, the Shane non-talking at the start of the year at Newcastle. Yeah. And they're two totally different things. And we sort of, we cop a bit of a, you know, stick for having a go at Barry, but then, oh, but you had a go at Shane as well. But they're two totally different things, aren't mm. they? Yeah. Like if, if Barry said to Chad, oh mate, I've got to go and lodge a protest. Yeah. That would have been it. He could have walked yeah. away. He didn't need to comment there because it wasn't like he won the race and was mm. asked a question about you winning the race. Mm. They're two completely different things. They're in the same sort of sphere, but they're different. So yeah. Anyway. That's my piece. No, no, so that's a fair piece. That's a fair piece. We'll see how that all plays out uh, as we go through. So, did we did we learn anything? This was sort of like the first time that these cars had gone on a nice big open track. Have we learned anything from it? Um, again, it's it's probably hard to get a read on it. I mean, the the thing is, I think when the Ford Mustang gets in the window. It's a bloody quick race car. And Anton proved that on Sunday. Chazzy proved that both days, really. He was very competitive. But uh, it seems like the window is still very, very small. And this is what the teams are saying to get that car working relative to the Camaros. But, you know, wh wh how much of that now is parity and how much of that is the teams just being behind the eight ball because they've been battling for six rounds? Um, so, but yeah, the hope for Bathurst, Richard, where you turn up there and you got days of practice. Correct. Well, so hopefully, the yeah, they, they've got what six practice sessions of an hour each to get the thing in the window. So that that is really positive. Totally. Um, I, I it gives me great hope, Shebex, that we're going to have a great championship showdown. Mm. It really does. It will. Um, You're right. I think that no, at least three guys battling it right to the end. Well, four and and four possibly. Yeah. The, but the thing is, is that if if Chaz and Fabian go and win Bathurst, um, or Chaz and Lethal, isn't it? Um, go and win Bathurst. Um, that's 300 points in one weekend. So the whole thing, all of a sudden, they'd be right back in the mix or even better. So, yeah, you know, I, I just, I live in hope that we're going to come down with a, a proper showdown in Adelaide. No, oh, maybe mathematically can win it, rah, rah, rah. We want three drivers, four drivers covered by 50 or 60 points going into Adelaide with every result being on the table going into that Sunday race. The, the championship needs that this year, I reckon. With everything that the sport has been through, it would be just perfect to end with a proper title showdown. And right now, you've got Brody on 1590 uh, points to Brock Feeney in fourth place on 1523. So absolutely nothing covering the top four drivers. And then Chaz, Andre, Cameron, and even to an extent, Jack LeBrock, all within you know, a relative handful of points of the leaders and certainly down to um, 
down to Andre well within 300 points of the race lead, uh, championship lead. So that bodes really well. So I think we've learned that the championship fight isn't going to get blown apart anytime soon. Did you enjoy the presser at the end there of the weekend where Shane just dropped his little bombshell? You know, Rebecca Williams asked the question and mm. everyone sort of sat there shocked. And a few questions later, folks has gone, um, excuse me, did you just say you're going to NASCAR? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, it makes you wonder how planned that was. I don't think it was terribly planned, was it? Mm. Get that feeling. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Very interesting. Uh, support categories. Uh, Super Utes are just doing a great job. Gee, was there looking good. Genuinely well, was entertaining, wasn't it, Mark? Oh, yeah. No, twelve, 12 months they were a basket case. Now mm. they're they're actually they're actually good to watch. Well, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Plenty going on there. I think the highlight for mine with the sports was the GT World Challenge race on Saturday. Yeah, and and it was good talking to a few people afterwards. And he's a guest that we should probably get on the show soon, Garnett Patterson, because mm. people were saying. How good was the race between Richie and that guy in the Porsche? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a cracker race. And it only yeah. it takes two cars to have a race. They were out there in the track by themselves pretty much, but uh, they had an absolute ripper with the lap traffic coming into play and everything going on there. So that was a really good race. But across the board, there wasn't a lot to fault in that whole uh, weekend of support racing, really. The Toyota 86s were They've been so good this year. They've been yeah. racing clean. They've got massive fields. Even the scholarship series, the last two rounds of the, the main game, 86s have been really, really good. So uh, they were great. And the Porsche Sprint Challenge, S5000s, the Porsches were great. 31 cars. Yeah. You had a bit on call and all that, Rich. Yeah, there was a lot going on. But but we it took us to race three to get a safety car, which I was mm. really, really pleased with. That was that was a great result. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. The Porsches were awesome. Full credit, Nash Morris. That, he drove superbly, really, yeah. really impressive how he jumped into that car, having only done one test day in it and um, and put together a really strong weekend and just a little bit of inexperience. And and to be fair, Nash owned it totally after mm-hmm. race three. A um, little bit of inexperience, a little bit wide on the apex of 10, uh, lost the rear. And the Porsches, when you lose the rear with all that weight hanging out over the rear axle, they tend to gyrate pretty quickly um, and, and chucked away what would have been a round win. But... He's not in the championship, so he, he wasn't overly devastated about it. Um, good result. Young Aaron Shields, who's a driver to watch. He's very, very fast, straight out of karting into Porsches last year and won his first round. That championship building up to be a, a beauty. And just on GT World Challenge, we're speaking about good championships. That is an absolute ripper at the moment. So 19 points now covering basically the top five in the championship between with five different uh, three different brands as well with Audi, Porsche and Mercedes AMG. So they race again next week up at Queensland Raceway at the Speed Series round. So it, that's going to be a critical weekend. And then they have three months off because the next round after that's the Adelaide 500. So really good championship battle going on in GT World Challenge. It's going to be really good fun. And when there's 31 cars in Sprint Challenge, you don't want to call the race by yourself either. No, no. Well, fortunately, I didn't have to because of my no, little mate exactly. Craig Lowndes there. Uh, Craig Lowndes alongside me. Yeah, oh, we'll, it's Matt Nolte. We'll get to no. You, you're talking about um, oh, okay. S five thousand. Oh, S five thousand. Sorry, we'll get right. to that in the Hudson Nolte a bit later on. When there's Good only on, six yeah. cars racing, you can afford to call yes. that by yourself. No, no, it's the other way around. <laughs> Thirty-one cars on your own is fine. Nine, not so much. Yeah. Vehicle, you need something else to talk about. Uh, F ones. What do we think of that? Pass, pass. He's 
it's just beyond a joke now, isn't it? Well, he's just making it. Look, look, honestly, the, the sprint race was terrific. Great result for Oscar. Really good. Doesn't quite count as him getting his first podium, which was another one of those little predictions. Um, but uh, re- regardless, a terrific drive. But the Sunday Grand Prix, the, I, I realised at about lap 30 um, when I just had a slight little doze for a little little moment there. And I'd, I'd only just got home and um, about an hour before the start from the airport. I realised that the thing with that was that there was actually quite a, a lot of overtaking in the yeah. Belgium Grand Prix. But it was all completely meaningless. Mm. It just, all the passing, the DRS makes it so easy there. It just all felt meaningless. And it all felt meaningless because, as well because no one was ever going to beat Max Verstappen. Well, and someone, I, I just left, left me feeling a bit hollow that race. Someone punched the stats. They were able to drag the statistics from somewhere. When Max passed Lewis, he was going 31 k's an hour faster. Yeah. Like yeah. that oh. closing speed would be a massive crash on its yeah. own. Yeah. Ridiculous. Totally. Like how they're gonna win Mons by a lap. The Red Bulls. Seriously. That yeah. that joins a, a third quick again than Spa with none of the high speed aero corners. It's it's all the drag strips joined together by some natty little chicanes. Like Verstappen's gonna win that race by the length of the road between Milan and Rome. Like it's seriously, he's gonna smoke them there. Because that red boy is so quick. Yeah, it was a flat Grand Prix. Disappointing. Um, yeah. And it's almost like as punishment for that, they now can take four weeks off. But that's like a reward. So, yeah, they should just go right into another race straight away until they do better and then they can have their off their summer break. But, um, yeah, it was frustrating. Not a great race. Not at all. IndyCar? No. Uh, back this weekend, Nashville. Hmm on the uh, bumpy street circuit where Scott McLaughlin very nearly won last year mm. uh, in a race that had 37 attempts at getting to the finish. And uh, Marcus Ericsson at one point was about eight feet up in the air in his car, executed a landing, landed and won um, and was chased down by Scotty in what was, I think the closest street circuit finish in IndyCar racing history. So, uh, she's a bit going on there in uh, the old Midwest. So looking forward to, to that one. She's always a wild, wild race. Could be the last Nashville race on the mm. current layout mm. because they are bulldozing the Nissan Stadium and building a new one for the Tennessee Titans. That's good one, Rich. I'm not quite sure what the name of the football team is. But anyway, the NFL team. Uh, are getting a new stadium, which is being built in the car park where they hold the race. So there's talk of a new layout um, for that Nashville IndyCar race. But um, mm. anyway, that'll be good fun. It's always it a, it's a wild one, that. Look forward to it. Mm. And the last race in NASCAR before they get an injection of two Aussies. Uh, no, they've got another uh, race this week. Another race before that, is yeah. it? Okay. Yep. Mm. Uh, yeah, Chris Buescher, a bit of an underdog winner there for Roush. What is it? What is it? Roush Fenway Keselowski racing with a RFK. Ford. At Richmond, bit of an underdog thing there, but uh, well done to them. I think all the focus was actually on the Xfinity series. Great race at Road America. It was one of those classic sort of NASCAR road races where everyone crashed and 15 passes with a lead and everyone fired off the track. It was really good. But uh, I think the big news from that part of the world this week was the Xfinity series signing up their new TV deal from 2025 with a thing in the Americas called the CW, which is a free-to-air channel. So 
everyone's sort of been backing that uh, the next TV rights over there would be going to streaming online or whatever. But here, free-to-air TVs come through with the cash and uh, it's going to have a permanent home there, all 33 races on a free-to-air channel. So mm. what a, that sort of sets an interesting precedent for the rest of world motorsport, I think. Yeah, it's cool. Well, everyone will be watching, see if it works, basically, because the, the trick will be, yeah, the commercialization of that and whether the whether the ratings are good enough. Um, because the CD, the CW is, you know, it, it's not in the big five US networks, so it'll be interesting to see what it does to an audience reach opposed to a race that's on um, NBC Sport or, you know, Fox Sport. paid paid services sort of thing. Sure, so, but they yeah. still get a million people watching. So mm. if if the CW's numbers go up, then great. And, and 110 million US a year that they're paying will seem like a bargain. But um, if, because it doesn't have, because it doesn't have the reach, it'd be a bit like supercars being back on 10 where they just don't have the reach of a seven mm. or a nine at the moment. Um, will it, will it drop the ratings significantly? So that'll be a really interesting thing to follow next year. I'm sure it'll be a, it'll be a really interesting experiment, but good on NASCAR for having a, having a swing and, Certainly to commercialise the um, the series in that way is really impressive. Good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Hots and Knots. Uh, excellent. What do we want to start with this week? Oh, let's start with Hots. Start with Hots. Um, hot for... Uh, I'm just assuming I'm going to roll in here. So, um, mm, please. Yeah, 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 gonna, you're on the left, top left. You I'm going to well. launch into it. Um you mentioned the uh, NASCAR race, Mark, which was won by Ford. And a uh, pretty hot weekend if you were one of the handful of Aussie journalists mm. selected to go over to the United States on a little Ford press junket, headed up by a friend of the show, Ben Nightingale, who's the head of communications for Ford Motor Company Australia at the moment. Um, Name and shame. Who got the gig? Name and well, shame. Well, I saw Stephen Otley there. Our, our mm. mate Dave McCowan was there and a couple of others as well. Um so they got this little Ford junket to go over there and they saw the launch of the new Ford Mustang dark horse thing. Yes. It's going to be really cool. Looked good too. But the part of the, the ending part of the junket was going to the NASCAR race won by a bloody Ford. So yeah. pretty it's good rigged. stuff. That's, that's a hot, lane. isn't it? Yeah. That's outstanding. Uh, I think we need to recognize uh, and appreciate with a hot, the level of commitment that our colleague, Tony uh, Mark Walker has to pizza. Um, because Mark drove from Melbourne and let's, let's, why get are you, this. why are you taking my hot away from me, Richard? Well, no, you, well, I'm sure we'll be able to open. It's a joint hot. You'll sure to be able to add to this. I'm sure he drove, he drove to Sydney Motorsport Park. Yes. But we all know he actually went for Pizza Hut. For our friends listening on RS1, it is an eight-hour drive from Melbourne to Sydney. Oh, no, it's more than that. No, it's more than that. <laughs> get to the Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah, to get to Windsor, which... <laughs> and stand by for my knots, because I will knot myself in there. Don't worry about that. Um, I, I, But the commitment to go there and then execute uh, an excellent action-packed Saturday, Beautiful. still the first in the media centre on Saturday morning, mind you, uh, and then create some sensational imagery that you can see on the racetalk.com. Uh, that deserves a hot. Uh, I knotted Qantas a couple of weeks ago on the show. I'm going to put them in hot because I got to the airport quite early. Pretty good strategy. Departing on Saturday, uh, on Sunday, I should say, to get back to Mascot. And they put me on a flight that was a full two and a half hours earlier than the existing one. 
Uh, I'll, I'll give a corresponding knot to that right now. What it did do was get me home well before the start of the Belgium Grand Prix. Turns out I shouldn't have needed to worry about that anyway. It wouldn't mm. have mattered had I missed it. Uh, we'd mentioned Garnett Patterson before. That's a big hot. That kid can drive mm-hmm. a racing car. Huge. Um, Michelin Sprint Challenge goes without saying. That's a hot. Um, Garth Tander in Carrera Cup at the Bend is a massive that's hot. hot. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be fun. And we heard from him earlier in the show, didn't we, Shebex? Yeah, we did. Um, talking about his drive uh, in Carrera Cup, which is going to be good fun. Uh, and a little bit of a hot uh, trophy series at Queensland Raceway this weekend. Uh, a decent field of wings and slicks open wheelers, which, as you are aware, I'm a big fan of. Uh, a good field of Radical Cup, proudly supported by the racetalk.com. Uh, and most importantly, perhaps a banging field of big banger sports events. Mm. Uh, and I have not seen sports events live for some time. So I'm very much looking forward to experiencing that. That is a preemptive hot for this weekend for sports events. Hmm. Hmm. I've just got a couple of quick ones, Mark, before I hand it over to you. Uh, Oscar Piastri, big hot for me, massive weekend. The kid is coming and it may not be this year that he wins a race because I don't think he will, because I think uh, Red Bull have those sewn up between themselves. But he'll win one uh, next year or the year after, no doubt, if McLaren uh, have that sort of car going for him most times. Uh, the other hot for me was Saturday night racing. We've mentioned it earlier, but it's just, it's good to see. Night racing, it just brings out so many different things. And the coverage from uh, Fox Sports too, I must compliment them on their nighttime coverage, because it is tough to cover night racing. And they did it extremely well and yeah, full compliment to them. So a couple of hots there from me, Mark. Right. Uh, Richard alluded to it, Here but um, went for a bit of a drive there on Friday. And it was a, a spectacular drive. Uh, you know, you think of the Hume as a fairly straight piece of road, but uh, managed to see a B-double burn to the ground and managed to see a <laughs> truck and a van Hang crash on a south of, <laughs> a of A B-double burning to the ground? Yeah, B double burn to the ground south of Benalla, then uh, got to Gundagai in a truck and a van together. Then uh, Goulburn, the police were pulling a dead body out of a ditch on the side of the road. Then uh, got to Picton, and there was another massive spud there. So it was a spectacular drive. I was quite happy to get to the Windsor Pizza Hut Mm. for this extravaganza. Um, Look, where do you start? Um, It was one of the better experiences I've had this century. You know, Shebex. (laughs) You know that feeling when the Tigers won the premiership in 2017? Yeah, 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 yeah I do. Rich, you know when open wheelers have grids of double figures? Yeah. It's that, <laughs> it's that, it's that unbridled joy I felt. I, It was just unbelievable. Um, so much nostalgia, memories from my childhood just came flooding back. And, you know, if somebody's filming a TV series and they need to find a set from 1995, this mm. place is untouched. It is period perfect it is absolutely spot on um you know i feel a half fit in i was overweight but i did like the mullet so i <laughs> didn't quite meld into the background there got a few odd looks um look what, what can you say about it um the getting christmas... emotional shebex oh, i'm actually emotional about this but, mm. uh, the, the christmas decorations were a nice touch <laughs> you know <laughs> christmas in july was it I think it might have been six months too early or too late. It's hard to tell, really. July twenty eighth. It's um a bit of an odd one to have the Christmas decos up. But, Did they have um, the salad bar going? They had the salad. Why would you bother with that? Come on, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm sure there was a salad bar there. Definitely. No, but I just wanted to know if it was there. 
Look, the, the cuisine was perfect. I was so sick and bloated afterwards. Um, <laughs> you know, it really did take the eight-hour drive home to digest the whole experience and the food as well. You know, five stars, would recommend, and I'll be back at Christmas for my family holiday. So um, book it in. Fantastic. Um, mentioned Sydney Motorsport Park before under lights. I, I was absolutely all in for it. I'd love to know who foots the bill for the power bill there. Because mm. that's like lighting up... 40 football paddocks and plus all the surrounds and everything else. It is just incredible at night when stood up on top of that hill between turn two and turn five. And you can see 90% of the track from there. And mm. those punters up there knew what they were doing because they were in the absolute right spot because they could, they were all just pivoting around the whole time, watching the cars, the whole way around the track. And uh, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, Update in the F1 stat from a few races ago. Max Verstappen still leads the most laps in 2023. You know, obviously Sergio added a few to his tally at Spa there in the weekend, but the bird that Max hit in Canada is still third on the list. So uh, well done <laughs> to him. I hope he's enjoying the limelight. Um, and Oscar Piastri, I'll back you up there, Shebex. Um, mm. I think it's taken half a year, but I think Australia's now on board. You know, yeah. Point one, Dan's back, so he's no longer the guy who stole. Dan's seat. So I think that's a big one. Two, he's he's not getting smashed by Norris still, which is great. Three, on the podium, Australians like successful people and he's clearly becoming successful. And, and you know, I think overlooking Dan, he's probably overtaken Bottas as the Austro favorite Australian driver and the popularity stakes because he's actually good value and he's got a bit of personality about him that McLaren are starting to draw out there. You know, an example was when he was asked you were 1.7 seconds quicker than Lewis in that middle sector. Why are you so good around there? Confidence? To which you replied, I mean, I drove James Hutt's car last weekend, so big balls. <laughs> mm. He actually well, sounds a bit like Weber, don't you think? Yeah. He's, he's got yeah, his there's, accent. There's quite a bit of Aussie yeah. mark in that. Yeah. And the final thing, probably go and look up uh, Nicole Piastri's mum on Twitter. She yes. is absolute red hot demon on the replies she yeah. is very good form so go and give her a follow and that's hey, my hots for this two, week two mm. hots that i missed the yeah. sydney trophies that were made with the complunk sticks they were quite good and mark walker yeah on television as a photographer taking oh, photos yeah. with his mobile phone that is hot ah uh, no it's a, it's a not i'm afraid no no it's a hot for me no, in that's... my defense my camera did crap itself yeah. just before I tried to use it and logged out. So uh, I'll have to buy myself a new camera. Cameras before are the next so camera. good nowadays. But yeah, well, it's just trendsetting, Shebex, because there will be a point where your media accreditation all you need is your, your mobile phone. Yeah. Uh, some knots. Um, I'm going to start with a serious knot, and it's to people on social media going out after Chad Nalon and blaming him for Barry swearing on television. Oh. That is... And you'll get the irony in this. Absolute bullshit. Yeah. Chad is doing his job as a TV reporter, going in or interviewing the designated spokesperson for that team. It's on a literally a document provided by Supercars, which says this is the person you go and interview. Um, it is not cool to blame Chad, who is just doing his job on that. And it happened after it happened at Newcastle as well with the SVG thing and it happened again on social media and don't read the comments is by far and Chad's big enough to not do that but people going after Chad and blaming him for that is utterly utterly ridiculous it is yeah. the biggest knot of my year so far after the same thing in um in Newcastle so that's a big knot 
some more lighthearted knots. Um, I'm going to knot myself. I don't think this has happened before, has it? I don't think we've ever... Have no. we ever... No, I'm going to knot myself for not getting to Windsor to join in the Pizza Hut experience. And for that, Mark, I will go on record right now and publicly apologise to you for that. Oh, can you man, explain why? Mean, however... Can you explain why you didn't However, go? the knot is an expanded knot because it covers Sydney traffic. Because... I, uh, by the time I got out of the track, it was 6.30 on Friday. So it was quite late. Um, I banged in on two different app, uh, navigation apps. The time it would have taken for me to get from Brabham Drive outside of the M4 motorway there to Pizza Hut Windsor, which is up near Richmond. Uh, and the best application was 45 minutes, but there were there were various complications that could have made it an hour and it's just Sydney traffic, not bad. It denied me all you could eat pizza and um, having a feed with my good buddy, Mark. So that I, I will not myself, but as a periphery knot to that Sydney traffic is also knotted. Yeah. I did mean to say that you're dead to me, but um, bro, but um, you know, I'm sure that they won't go broke. I mean, if they haven't gone broke since 1995, I can't see they, why no, they'd go broke in 2023. No, so. I, I, I own that one. That's fine. It's fine. Uh, the Sunday Supercars race gets a knot. I, I think mainly because A, it wasn't a particularly good race and B, because Saturday was so entertaining as a product. Sunday just let it down. That's a knot. Um, the tip gets a knot Sunday afternoon. Mark, you left at the right time Sunday afternoon as we were walking out to the car. I was walking out with one of the great human beings in Australian motor racing, Gary O'Brien. And, oh. um, and Hi, Gary. It, it was yeah. pretty tippy. It was pretty oh. tippy. So that wasn't good. Um, mobile phone company CEOs on social media. Um, and then so that's just a standing knot. And then uh, I will give a knot to the fact that Western Sydney airport is still two and a half years away oh. because um the sooner that joint opens and the sooner none of us who work in motorsport and only go to Sydney for car racing, the sooner we can never go to mascot again, mm -hmm. the better everyone's life will be with the latest drama being that the uh, offsite rental car thing is now basically stuck for good because apparently they've found concrete cancer in that massive no. structure in the middle of the domestic terminal. So rental cars are now a 15 minute overloaded bus right away. Um, mm hard hard not um western sydney airport i will be your biggest fan yeah uh i did one not for me mark before i pass it over to you and mm -hmm. it's a not that's directed at formula one management you've got a you've got a product now that you've built up to a very very respectable product right around the world especially in what seems to be your prime market at the moment the united states of america in regards to the numbers of people watching Formula One has increased by so much around the world. Fix your freaking product up on the track because you will end up losing those people because they'll be bored shitless like the rest of us who have followed this sport for the last 25 to 30 years, except they'll be bored quicker than us. We've been used to it for a while, but they'll just get bored very, very quickly. And all of a sudden, your millions and millions of viewers will drop down to hundreds of thousands and we'll have a crap product again like we did have about 10 or 15 years ago. Oh. Slap yourself across the face, wake up, fix up your product and get it right so everyone can enjoy it. Good not. Well done.
Thank you. That's excellent. All right, I'll start with the F1 knots. Um, that Brad Pitt F1 movie, I'm, I'm fearful. In Hungary, oh, Apex cool. GP driver Joshua Pierce was filmed having won the race. Now, in 2023, that, that doesn't sound terribly realistic, does it? <laughs> I don't think it's a documentary. Well, <laughs> if they wind up sending a car into a kindergarten like Driven, they'll completely have lost me. <laughs> Not looking forward to that. Uh, Not goes to Red Bull for once again DNFing in their victory celebrations. And you see they shunted their trophy again. Yeah, again. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Two out of two. That's not good. Um, not goes to Alpine for continuing to make Oscar and the barbecue look really clever because they mm-hmm. sacked all their management and their management act surprised that they got sacked because they're seemingly incompetent. But anyway, interesting. Um, it's not necessarily a not, but it's a thing. Logan Sargent now is mathematically out of the championship running. Oh, really? Yep. No good. Um, Last one on F1, not has to go to the organisers of the Las Vegas race who are allegedly going around town shaking down in any of the local businesses that can see the track, which is, let's face it, most of them. One steakhouse that has set back a little bit from the circuit is being charged $1,500 per person for anyone attending their steak restaurant during the Grand Prix. Like, you'd have to really like Formula One or steak. Yeah. To uh, dolly up for that. Um not goes to Frederick Vesti, who crashed on the F2 parade lap, so he couldn't sit on the front row, and he lost the championship lead. That seems mm. a bit dopey. Uh, not goes to Paul Tracy for continuing to be Paul Tracy in his <laughs> old age and crashed out the SRX field, all of them, and got suspended. So uh, see you later, Paul. Uh, Richard, and this is uh, a serious, not genuinely awful, awful news out of Bathurst this week. After 12 years, Ash's Speedway Museum has closed down Due oh. to Ash's lease not being renewed because an adjoining building is uh, expanding and there's no alternatives around. So that's oh. a huge shame. Oh, that's a tragedy. Yep. Oh, oh I'm, I didn't know that. I'm, I, you've act, you've, I'm dumb, bit dumbfounded by that. That's such a shame. Uh, if yep. you haven't, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to the racetalk.com. We'll, we we'll, before it shut down. Let's reshare that story. We'll reshare yeah. that story, folks, um, because it is one of the hidden gems of Australian motorsport museums. Oh, that's that's extraordinary. Oh. Mm, bad news. Um, from contributor Steph on the Twitter or the X or whatever it is this week, um, <laughs> and subsequently inserted into the power rankings, uh, reporting the price of the concessions at Sydney Motorsport Park on the weekend. Mm. End quote. Dave Wood dogs are now $15. I guess even the price of rat meat has gone up. <laughs> That's a good X. That is, that is, that is a good X. Uh, that is 15 bucks for a Dagwood dog. Yeah, it's not, not good, is it? What are they at the G at the moment, Shebex? Oh, uh, no, well, you can't buy Oh, yeah, you can buy them outside. They're around about 12. Mm. <laughs> even that sounds about $11.50 too expensive, isn't it? $17.50 for a Suvlaki at the G in one of those vans out the front. Jeez. Um. Mm. The car park at Sydney Motorsport Park, because, you know, I arrived a few days too late, I had to park out in the plebs. I'm cool with that. That's not a problem. Mm. Um, towards the end of the race on Saturday night, I migrated that direction and I thought, oh, geez, this is looking shaky. So I sort of made a bit of a mad dash over there to the Drake Strip uh, car park and I managed to get out in probably 10 minutes. So that was all right. That whole Sydney Motorsport Park precinct and the other venues around there, it's in a tough spot because there's not a lot of access there. You know, if you parked inside the circuit, you got to use the Sydney Motorsport Park driveway. If you're in the drive, 
in the drag track, you got to use the Speedway driveway. And I guess those with the Parker view got to use Peter Brock Drive. But then there was just no traffic control. Mm. So you had yeah. everyone going out both of those driveways and they could turn left or right. Instead of all being directed off in three different directions, which they could have been, they all just turned left and right on each other. So no one moved. So there were people stuck in the car park there for hours. They finally had a good race meeting with a good crowd there and a good product, all this positivity. And then the lasting impression they're going to have was sitting in a bloody car park because there was no traffic control there at all. Mm. It was pathetic. Mm. So that's going to be their indelible memory. You know, you look at Queensland Raceway, they buggered up the traffic there on day one and no one's ever gone back to the joint. Yeah. Is there any and, truth to the rumor that the crowd on Sunday was only fairly large due to the fact that everyone stayed there from Saturday night? They were stuck. <laughs> Instead of yeah. driving home, they just got stuck there. Mm. Probably. But um, yeah, that was a knot. And finally, um, I'm going to have to give another spray to the local motorsport media uh, and you know, I won't mention names here, but it was noted on the weekend that a PR for a certain one-mate category had liberated for themselves a slab-shaped chocolate packed with peanuts for themselves, but didn't get enough for the entire media centre. You know, how are the media supposed to fairly report on New, Ze Ze New Zealand fine cuisine if they aren't given a chocolate? Are you having a crack at me here? Just get everyone a bloody chocolate, mate. I didn't get chocolates for myself. That what was, was given... that peanut slab doing on your computer? A, a it was Whitaker's uh, coconut block, which is by far and away the superior chocolate of the two. Right. And B, that was given to me by the PR from Earl Bamber Motorsport, not by me. So there was no supply. Thank you very much. Don't knock me for something that I'm I have not... no role to settle play. Settle down, you two. Settle down. Settle down. <laughs> I'm nodding the system. Remember the days when Donut King used to just wheel donuts out and everyone used to talk sure. about donuts? I'm the PR guy for Porsche, not for Whitaker's chocolates. Well, take you know beef people. Up, take your beef up with them, not with me. All right, I'm going to I'm going to close this discussion right here. It's getting ugly, folks. It's good. I've got to go and buy some twice in the knots. Richard crawled twice in the knots. It's never happened. I feel targeted. <laughs> I'm going to Queensland for a week. Enjoy <laughs> that, uh, Mark. Enjoy your. Uh, Solitude at home? Yes. Winton Festival of Speed. Yeah. Be there. Fantastic. Uh, and thank you for joining us right here on The Grid. We'll catch you next week.